All right, everyone. Welcome to the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast with Andrew Drozdak and Thomas Bowen. This is a podcast for slightly above average football fans, slightly below average football fans that want to learn more about the game. And if you're a football junkie, this is the podcast for you. We're glad you're here and we hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody. Welcome into season four, episode 11 of the Slightly Above Average Football Fan Podcast. My name is Andrew Drozdek. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy, the best brewer in town, the coolest guy I know, Mr. Thomas Bowen. Bowen, how are we doing? Yeah, coolest guy you know, that's right, because I'm pretty damn cold right now. You know, the, <laughs> the things the things we do for our listeners, uh, 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 production note here, hopefully they've noticed the last couple of weeks some better sound. I, I have started recording outside on my back porch because apparently that's the best acoustics for our little weekly shit show we have here. Right. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm brave, brave in the weather. I think it was 85 degrees two days ago, and now it's freezing right. out here. That is absolutely right. Thomas is such a trooper and uh, a man of the people. So if you're new to our show, we call ourselves a slightly above average football fan podcast because Thomas and I played the game of football. We coached the game of football. We love the game of football and we study it. We've been obsessed with it for as long as we can remember. We like to think we know more than the average fan, but only slightly more. And it's okay if you are a below average football fan. Maybe you're Swifty getting into the NFL. Maybe you're on your way to Germany to watch the, the Chiefs play this week because they're playing in Germany. And, you know, you want to see if Taylor's going to be there. So that's okay. We're going to teach you a little bit about the game. And we hope – now, Thomas, I don't know if we've mentioned this in a while. We used to be one of the number one college football podcasts out in the Middle East. Guess where we are one of the best, our most downloaded podcasts now? Ooh, ooh, what kind of far reaches of the globe are we hitting now? Brussels. We are the Brussels. We are mad downloads in Brussels. So, like, right. mad respect. That's big time. I, I, That's I big like time. it. I like it. Um, so, another on that same kind of note, Thomas, I've been telling you this. I haven't shared it with the fans yet. Guys, we are super close, super close to 10,000 downloads. We have oh, almost had this show downloaded 10,000 times. If you're a diehard listener, help us get there this week. Tell your friends. If you look, follow us on Instagram or Twitter or any of those types of areas, let people you know know, hey, listen to these guys. I really enjoy their show. Help us hit that 10. Let's, let's celebrate next week that we hit 10,000 downloads because you shared with a friend, if you're a listener, that you should they should listen to this podcast. All right. Like with it. all that being said, let's jump into football. Thomas, before we talk about South Carolina Gamecocks, which is our main topic of conversation, for many seasons on this show, we would talk about South Carolina and our rival. This season, we made the decision to kind of back off the rival talk. But with what's going on up in Pickens County, we have got to talk a little bit of Clemson. Thomas, they have lost four games this year so far. Notre Dame comes to town this coming week. And is it, they're on a three-game losing streak right now. Not that South Carolina has any room to talk, but they're on a three-game losing streak. Is that correct? I think that's right, because I know it's been at least two since Dabo made his light in the bandwagon uh, comment. Right. And I loved what NC State's uh, coach said after they beat him. Apparently, he heard Steve Smith Sr. Uh, of Utah <laughs> uh, called him a basketball school, and he said, I think he told him that he could kiss his ass. So that's... That's pretty awesome. On uh, I love that. Love that energy. But Thomas, you know, what in your mind is happening in Clemson right now? 
Is it a talent deficiency? Has changing coordinators finally caught up to them? Is it both of those things? What what do you see as the issue for the Clemson Tigers right now? Oh, my gosh. I, I could literally, literally take an entire episode and talk about this because I, I have read a lot. I, I have my own thoughts on things. So it's really tough for me to distill this down into a, a quick segment. But the, the, the heavy hitters are this. It's not a talent issue. They have talent. They are still loaded with talent. They have recruited well. Losing Venables hurt at D.C., but here's the bigger problem. There's nobody on that staff that can develop that talent. People also mm-hmm. bitch about Dabo's reluctance to use the transfer portal and to use and to embrace NIL. Here's the thing with the transfer portal. It doesn't matter who they bring in. They don't have the coaches to develop them. If you look at their offensive staff, save for Garrett Riley, who has his own set of problems right now, whether it's him or Dabo's meddling or whatever, that's a whole other subject. But save for Garrett Riley, the only offensive staff, the only coach on the offensive staff that has any sort of collegiate experience is at Georgia State. Everybody else is Dabo's buddies, it's alums, it's CJ Spillers, it's those kind of guys. These guys do not have coaching experience. Now, Dabo made a big splash with the Garrett Riley hire to come in. You and I have talked about it before. Is Garrett Riley as good as advertised, or was it the Sonny Dyke show at TCU? A lot of people are saying that Dabo's meddling. It's, I don't know. Dabo is going to be his his own downfall up there and i think it falls firmly on his shoulders and if you listen to the rational level-headed clemson fans they will tell you the exact same thing i mean i i echo everything you said i think the biggest problem that they are facing right now is exactly what you said sweeney has not replaced quality coaches with quality coaches he just right. hasn't and you know garrett riley here's what i said about the air raid to uh, you and I and Patrick on our group text the other day. And, and you know, Patrick made a statement um, that the air raid's dead. That's that's an overstatement. But it's not as you – know, defensive coordinators aren't spinning their heads as much with it. But also, I said something that I, I truly believe. As a quarterback, unless you grew up playing in the air raid in high school, which is more common these days, going from whatever you were running last year at Clemson to what you ran in high school to the air raid, those are very different. It's one of the reasons air raid quarterbacks have often struggled in the NFL. Whereas literally, you're not reading a doggone thing. You are, if you're playing a true air raid now, if you're playing a true air raid, you're throwing to windows. You see an open space of glass, you're supposed to let it go. And that's a problem for quarterbacks. They, you know, that have been trained by quarterback coaches and all that stuff like these guys are nowadays. They're taught, where's the safety? What are they doing? Are they rolling? Man, in the air raid, none of that matters. None of that matters. And, you know, I don't know how pure of form Garrett Riley runs his air raid, but I think that could have something to do with it because Klubnik's thrown some some very costly interceptions at times. And, you know, I think that has an impact. You know, and, and Dabo, it's either evolve or die. And right now it looks like he's dying. And even 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 Nick Saban has evolved right. with the times. Nick Nick Saban's doing all he can. And you know, Dabo again had you mentioned one of his previous rants. We had the faint what will now I think be always known as the Tyler from Spartanburg rant um, <laughs> that called in, questioned Coach <clears throat> his salary and how good of a job he was doing. And Dabo went off. And he could not have come across more thin-skinned, more petulant. More just, you know, not ready. Dude, you're a college football coach. 
making a whole heck of a lot of money in the power five and a fan blistering you on the radio gets you that hot and bothered? Like, come on. Now, people often make a comparison between Shane and, and Dabo. Shane even, you know, was asked about Dabo and his presser. He made some comments there. You and I kind of disagree about how he handled it. I thought it was great. You didn't necessarily <laughs> love it. But here's the thing that I always tell people about Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer's in his third year ever as a head football coach. Third year ever as a yeah. head football coach. Good point. He's going to yeah. have some learning to do. He's going to come in and have some moments that he's going to say or do some things he shouldn't. Dabo has been doing this for a long time. He's been to the yeah. top of the mountain. He ought to know how to handle himself. And now there's a little bit of adversity after years of being shining on the hill. And now he can't handle it. And, you know, Thomas, I'm just going to throw my, my tinfoil hat on for a second. Uh, and here's my theory on Dabo. You want to hear my wild theory on Dabo? I'm, I'm here for it. Dabo had his eye on what was going on in Tuscaloosa. And I think he thought Nick Saban may be done this year. <laughs> and I think he thought he was going to ride the train back home to where he used to sleep in the bed with his mama and <laughs> go back to Tuscaloosa as the head coach. Number one, I don't think Alabama was ever going to do that. And number no. two, after this season, they sure aren't going to do it. So, no. you know, I, you know, that's my tinfoil Reddit deep corner thread uh, theory for for the uh for the evening so let's get off clemson um you know i i i say i'll say this i think they're in a lot of trouble with notre dame coming to town because notre dame just yeah. put a open on pittsburgh to an epic historic proportions all right we're gonna let's talk college football playoff for just a second first playoff ranking came out ohio state number one georgia number what? two michigan number three florida state number four thomas i don't know if you're joking around there or not <clears throat> I don't see how the University of Georgia is not number one in the country on this ranking. I am sorry. Those guys are the two-time defending national champions. They have not looked great, but they have not lost the ball game. When you are the champ, until somebody knocks you off the pedestal, until somebody knocks you out in the boxing ring, you're still the champ. They should be number one, in my opinion. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, and and you know, as as you and I said last night, th these th these rankings they, they don't mean squat. Like it's it's fun. It's like oh yeah, it's it's the committee could do whatever the hell they want. I mean, because I I don't know what the number is on this, but there hasn't been that many, if any, maybe just one ranked uh, number one ranked team this week that goes on to win the national championship. And, and it's all just just message board fodder at this point. Georgia, I'm certain that Kirby Smart and his little checkers drive through ass is using <laughs> this as motivation. Nobody believes in us. Oh, Can yeah. you believe? And, and and they're just going to turn into a ball of chainsaws and just start yeah. murdering people the rest of the season. But here's what I do find interesting. I came across a super interesting stat today. Can't and wait. I bet I bet you did not know this. So since 2014, only twice have there been no top four upsets the week after the initial rankings come came out? So mm -hmm. that means history is favoring one of these teams to get upset this weekend. Mm -hmm. And Ohio State's got Rutgers. Georgia's got Missouri coming to town. Well, well. Um, so I think that is super interesting. Yeah. And Purdue is at Michigan. Purdue's a two and 16. Florida State's at Pitt, who's also a two and 16. I mean, 
looking at history size on one of these teams losing, and it looks like Georgia. But dear God, please do not let Missouri beat Georgia. I cannot. I can't that. handle that. I can't live in a world where that happens. Nope. I can't live in a world where that happens, especially with Georgia being at home. That cannot be the case. All right, let's no. jump into South Carolina. Unfortunately, it's more of the same. A uh, lot of injuries, a lot of tough moments. Fought hard, Thomas. Fought hard. You got to give this team credit. They did not fold. Um, so did Rudy. Ah, there you go. He was offside, though. So. Um, now, <laughs> Thomas, this was easily Spencer Rattler's worst game of the season. Yeah, we knew uh, he was going to have one. Yeah, had to. And, and I don't blame him. He he's playing behind a patchwork offensive line. Going into, I heard uh, D'Lo say in his presser today that going into this Saturday's game, we're going to have our ninth starting lineup of the season at OL. That's, That's not a recipe for success. Now, Thomas, the one thing about Spencer's performance that I just can't fathom: three, count them, three intentional grounding penalties, all three in really really bad moments it was obvious they had talked to him about not taking sacks in key moments but spencer far be it for me to criticize a guy who's going to be an nfl quarterback has the most talent you know of any quarterback ever played at the university of south carolina my dude you got to get out of that tackle box man or find a dude throw it at his feet like the first one was the one that was the most obvious like, he didn't even turn yeah. around and look. He just chucked it behind him, basically. And, like, dude, come on. Now, like the second said, one, the, 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 the second one also looked like, I think it was the second one that the flag came really late, and it looked it like Durkin and the sidelines were really yeah, lobbying for that. They, they lobbied hard for it. He, they lobbied hard for it, but when they looked at it, it was pretty, it was pretty egregious. Thomas, I mentioned our offensive line. Our boys are banged up. They're injured. We need a whole lot of ice. Where can we get it? And maybe some for free. Yeah, let's hook our listeners up. I, I really, uh, I say it every week, but I can't believe people are still buying their ice from the grocery store, from the gas station. It's, it's a block of ice, bust all over there. You get grass in your cooler. They charge almost $3 for like a seven-pound bag. And is it really a seven-pound bag? I mean, nobody's weighing it, but let's be honest. The bags used to be 10 pounds and eight. Now they're only seven. So why pay that when you can get a 16-pound bag or 20 pounds dumped in your cooler for only $2.50? We're talking dirt cheap here, cheaper than a gallon of gas. These machines are conveniently located around the Columbia area, including Chapin, Irmo, St. Andrews, West Columbia downtown, and even east over out at my boys, Mr. Bunkies. But wait, we have a special offer for you, our listeners. You can get one bag absolutely free. When you're standing at the machine, just text the word AVERAGE to the large yellow phone number where the bag slides out. It's super cool, super easy. Try it for your next tailgate. Participating locations can be found at tticlub.com slash Lake Murray Ice. And thank you to our friends at Twice the Ice. Twice the Ice, speaking of ice cold, Mario Anderson, again, to beat that drum, he's still killing it despite that offensive line. He is still running hard like he's Mario with the wings in Mario 3, man. He's he's doing all he can. He's he's doing all he can. Um you know, running behind a line that's banged up, getting those extra yards, turning those legs, making big plays. We go ahead. Did you hear speaking of that offensive line? Because I did see a tweet, I think, during the game. So I, I believe on the roster, we started the season with 20 
20 offensive line linemen. We are down to nine. We've got yeah. 11 injuries on the offensive yeah. line. It's crazy. Strength and conditioning, Under Armour, we coming for one of y'all. Under Armour is who I'm starting to put point my, my, my particular sights at. We got a lot of ankles and knees, man. A lot of ankles and knees that's attached to those cleats. Um, get us some Nike, Coach Tanner, if you're listening. Get us out <laughs> of this deal. Everybody else has done it, Coach. Get us out of this deal. I know Don Staley can help us get a deal with Nike. Like, let's do this, please. Um, back to football. But, Thomas, another positive, Nick Harbour continues to come on, continues to make plays. Had a drop early, and then, again, I, I got kind of dogged on the guy earlier, so I'm going to give him some credit here. Spencer, as a good QB leader, went over, patted him on the helmet, patted him on the chest. Hey, man, we're going to get that back. You're going to be all right. It's going to be fine. You're going to make big plays. Didn't chew him out. Didn't do any of that. Was all about building him back up, and that kid played great the rest of the game. And and you know what was awesome about that was after that, I think it, it was it was the next drive or, or one of the next passes rattled through. He went right back to him for a big completion, right. and it I, and it was it was cool to see him do that because I'd literally watched Eli and Peyton on the broadcast this week, and one of the one of the rookie receivers had a drop, and Peyton brought that up. He said, "If I'm the quarterback, he said I'm going right back to that guy. I'm, I'm going right. back to him. I'm building his confidence back up, and that's exactly what Rattler did." And I love that, and it's a great leadership quality, great leadership quality to, to, to not only have the sense to not go over there and cuss this young kid out, give him a hard time, dog him, you know, get all up in his face, build up the young kid, be a good leader, and like you said, smart enough to, hey, I'm going to go right back to him. And that catch he made when he went right back to him wasn't the easiest catch in the world. He threw him a no, bullet, no. and it was just a step, like a hair of weight, and he had to kind of awkwardly catch it, and he caught that sucker Great. And, and, you know, again, I hope that when he came back to the line, Spencer hit him on the helmet and said, hey, man, you did me a favor there. Let's We're good. Let's go. And really helped him there. Thomas, something that I, I just don't understand at this point in the season, I have, I have been on the D'Lo bandwagon. I continue to be on that wagon. One thing I'm starting to question, why are we not seeing a little bit more creativity on offense? Have we seen a reverse this season? I, I I feel like there was one off of a jet sweep, but I can't point right. to when it was. I don't. I mean, I'm just saying when you're off. We have you just pointed out. We started the season with 20 offensive linemen on our roster. We have nine. We know we're not in a situation where we're going to hold sustained blocks in the run or a pass game for a while. Give them something to think about. Um, you know, we did put Dak in the Wildcat, but let's be honest. At this point, when Dak's in the Wildcat. Everybody and their brother, slightly above average, slightly below average. If you've ever been to a Gamecock game. Dak, when he's playing that role, he's going to run it. He's going to run it. And, and it's just not that that surprising anymore. I'd love to see a little bit more creativity. On those lines, Thomas, I still want to see Lenore Sellers in the game. You have got to go 4-0 and over the next four games. They're all at home. The first two should not be taken lightly, but they're games you'll be favored in. Then we're going to talk more about that in just a second. But at this point in the year, there is no reason to not see that young man out there. And I'm not talking about garbage time against Jacksonville State if it gets to that. I'm talking about some real reps. And there again, we know Spencer's the best quarterback on the team, the best prepared, the most quarterback NFL quarterback ready. We know those things. We're trying to win ball games. You're playing at this point to go 4-0 and oh over four games. It, you got to call pull out all the stops. Need to see him. now. Last thing I'm going to say before I throw it to you, on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, 
the podcast that on this podcast we will never name because it's not worth its weight and crap <laughs> responded to something <laughs> Dak had what well, was put out by a reporter that Dak said in his press conference that he told the guys when he came in the building that day that, you know, despite our record, we need to find some joy and you know, a famous seeing Beamer statement. And that I don't I'm not going to disparage people, but that person who hosts that podcast who ain't worth anything, doesn't know football from a I don't even know what, made a comment of there's no joy in losing. And Dak came back at him and told him to, you know, you can blankety blank up. And I think Shane Beamer, again, wouldn't mention that podcast by name during his presser. He talked a lot about, I think he used the word moronic media, and he used air quotes when he was talking about media, and he talked about how he was going to stand up for his players and always have their back. I, and he said that somebody showed him a tweet when he came in the building that day, and I got to believe that's what Coach Beamer was talking about. Love that Coach Beamer said it without saying it. Also love that he came to his players' defense. Also, get this guy. If you're a Gamecock fan and you listen to this podcast and you listen to that podcast, man, get out of there. That guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's not here to help football. He's not here to help the Gamecocks. He, doesn't, he's, he is a guy trying to make a name for himself, and that is it. Don't give him the, the clickbait that he wants. Thomas, rant over. Talk about the defense. No, I'm I'm gonna have to back it up a minute because okay. I, I do want to play I do want to play devil's advocate here to your comment about Lenora Sellers and 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 I'm with you as far as you know getting some experience. Here's here's the thing. So I do not want Lenora Sellers okay. in this game unless it's absolutely necessary. And here's why. So he's got. He's got uh, some playing time in the was that the Furman game I believe Furman game yes that's Furman the only game. game we've seen him yep. so he can play in four games I checked that's this right. today four games before he gets redshirted so mm-hmm. we've got he's already burned one so he's got three left I would much okay. rather save him uh, assuming we are winning this game and comfortably okay. I'd rather save him for possibly Kentucky Clemson hell even Vanderbilt we might be in a dogfight with them. But I think we're going to need every weapon possible for those games. Okay. I'm in agreement with that. I hadn't really thought about the fact that he had played against Furman. So, yeah, don't don't use him yet. I did. All I'm saying is you win this game, right? So you're 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 one and oh in November. You got to go four and oh in November. You're right. You should win this game without him. The next three, even Vanderbilt, you're going to need him probably. So just, you know, again, yeah, that's fine. Don't give him an appearance this game. So let's not burn his red shirt yet. But let's get him in there. And if you can hold him off against Vanderbilt, hold him out against Vanderbilt, and he's he's there for Kentucky, Clemson, and the bowl game. Great. And that's assuming we win all those. So all I'm trying to say, all I'm trying to say there is you need to go four and to make a bowl game. You you need to go four and to make a bowl game. You kicked a player off the team who refused to go in to lose his red shirt, which I agree with. My only point is we have to. If we're doing these mentality, we have that mentality and we're trying to get to a bowl game, pull out all the stops. And you're right. Let's not burn his red shirt if we don't have to. But if it looks like we're in trouble against Jacksonville State and it looks like we're in trouble against Vandy and it's because we can't keep Spencer upright, bring me the running quarterback because we got to find a way to win. That's all I'm trying to say. Doesn't necessarily have to be this game. Doesn't necessarily, but. If you're if you're in a situation over the next four weeks where you're you think for even a moment, let's talk about this for a second. Nick Saban 
pulled out Jalen Hurts in the national championship game to put Tua Tyrologa, however you say his last name, into the <laughs> game. And he had played a snap all year of meaningful football, led him to a national championship. So my point being, we are do or die right now. We're not in the national championship. We're far from it. We're fighting for our bowl lives. And in today's day and age, if you don't make a bowl, you're in real bad shape because you can make a bowl. You can make a bowl multiple ways nowadays. So my only point there is if you are running into a situation where you don't think you're going to win this game and it's because we're not getting passes off, we're not getting a good running game, get Lenoris in there, run the doggone speed option with him and Mario down the field, and let's go win a football game. That's all I'm trying to say. Fair points, fair points, and I'm with you on that. But so let, let's talk about some some bright spots from the AM game. And look, man, I, I, I don't I don't know if Clayton White listens to our podcast, but you know, I think some, <laughs> somehow, somehow he heard me bitching last week about our consistent all the time even fronts. We never run any odd fronts. Well, I'll be damned first quarter. We came out, it might have even been the first play of the game because I think we won the toss and deferred to the second half. We came out in an odd front. Could not believe it. I loved it. I saw some good things out of it. Uh, we got to see, finally, I believe he is the Ole Miss transfer, Jerron Willis at linebacker. We used him at a rover yes. spot. He was moving around a lot. Um, I saw us come out with a three-three-five head up. We put... Um, uh, I think it was TJ Sanders at the nose guard. You've talked before as a center how, mm -hmm. you know, you always hated blocking those guys right in your face. Uh, TJ used some of his athleticism to juke that guy a couple of times, really like that. We also saw some 3-4 with four linebackers on the field. I think I've, I was complaining last week and have complained a lot this season about how we always only have two linebackers on the field. Mm -hmm. I really like that look. And what we ran there was – Willis at Sam, which is the strong side. Blanton, who at the Mike or the middle linebacker, which I have said till I'm blue in the face. That's if he's a linebacker, he's a middle linebacker. Debo at Will are the weak side, and then Bam Martin Scott at the Jack. And Jack is kind of that spur where you move him around. You can put mm -hmm. him in different mm -hmm. spots, but really, really liked some of those looks, and we had a lot of success with it. We brought a couple, a couple new pressures. I haven't seen us brought. There was one play. Uh, a man blitz we ran with twists on the edges. It was out of that uh, three. I, I don't know if it's the three, three, five or the three, four, but we had the ends go wide, which spreads the tackles out. And then those rovers, the linebackers that were stepping up right behind them, crossed behind them and shot the B gap, shot the, the, the gap between the guard and the tackle. We got a lot of pressure with that. Yep. Really, really like that. Um, so more exotic pressure, some new Sims and creepers. You, you'll hear us talk about Sims and creepers sometimes. Sims meaning a simulated pressure. And 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 creepers are where you've got guys creeping up to the line, looking like they're coming. They may bail at the last front. Finally, some these a bear front. We've talked about that before, where you've literally got guys all the way across the line, head up on everybody. We use that in some short yardage situations. I haven't seen us run a bear front all season. These new defensive wrinkles worked well. There was about ten minutes to go in the fourth quarter. A and M only had. 57 rush yards and about 260 yards total. Uh, I think they finished with just over 100 rushing yards. And I think only two teams 
Teams have held them under a rush under 100 rushing yards all season, which was probably Bama and Tennessee. So I saw some good things. It just wasn't consistent enough. But if we can continue that, I really like the way this defense can play down the stretch here in November. Thomas, let me ask you this. Do you think in this game and going forward, we're going to continue? Yeah, I, I hope so, because I, I think it really kind of gave AM fits. And I think we're going to have to get creative that way. I mean, Clayton White and Shane Beamer say constantly all the time, well, we want to be multiple. We want to be multiple offense, defense. Well, until this AM game, we have not been multiple at all on defense. So I think we've got to see some of these wrinkles if we're gonna if we're gonna have a chance to get some of these teams down the stretch. As you said, the, we've got four games left, and these are truly must-win games. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. There's no reason to pull out or to to not pull out all the stops for the next four weeks. Um, can't hold anything back. Time to get creative. Time to get you know you know keep showing them something they haven't seen on film. Um, fill up their their time drawing up plays for scout team, all that good stuff. All right, Thomas, let's talk Jacksonville State Gamecocks. Thomas, I'm not – yeah, exactly. I'm not going to lie to you. I had not watched a whole lot of film on these guys. I've seen <laughs> them play, um, and I'm not d- disrespecting this team. They're 7-2. and two. two years ago, they beat Florida State. So, at home, they are not a bad ball t- uh, club. They beat um, – I think it was Middle Tennessee State this year who beat Miami at home last year. This is not a team to be taken lightly. However, however – this is an FBS football team. No, yep, is that right? Nope, FCS. It's got to be your bull. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So this is a team you should beat. You, we are favored. The last I saw was sixteen or sixteen and a half. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. F F. You, wait, you said FBS, right? They're Conference USA. Oh, are they? My bad. My bad. Yeah, I didn't yeah, realize. Yeah. That, I didn't realize that. That's. Oh wow. Okay. Either way, they are not a Power Five football team. This go. is not a team you should not win against at home. Again, I'm not taking them lightly, but my point in saying all this is this game is about us. This game is about who we are as a football team, who we are as a football program. You are injured. You are wounded. You are in a whole lot of trouble. What do you do when you're a wounded animal? Do you fight back or do you cower? Do you run away? That's what we're going to find out to this week. Who is this football team? What are they about? What does it say about our program? This is a game at home you should win. I'm not saying we're going to blow them out, Thomas, but it certainly shouldn't be a three-point game. We shouldn't be in doubt halfway through the fourth quarter. It should not be. Shouldn't really be in doubt in the third quarter. I'm going to be quite honest with you, at least halfway through. Uh, Good news. It sounds as though Vershawn Lee and possibly Kaysen Henry, who hasn't been available since game one against UNC in Charlotte, are both available for this game, and it may even sounds like they're expected to play. Um, Trey Jones is out for the game, who played spent some time um, in different spots across the line, left guard, right tackle, all kinds of places. Um, Rashawn has played both center and right tackle. Uh, Kaysen has played right tackle. And Thomas, you know, one of the things Dilo also mentioned, and we've mentioned this on the show before, and my dad told me it would be a really good idea to point it out once again, Asking a football player, an offensive lineman, to go from left tackle to right tackle is not as easy as it sounds. And as I pointed out before, if you think it's easy, if you're a right-handed person and you shoot the basketball right-handed, I want you to start shooting it left-handed and tell me how well you do because that's what we're talking about here. That is that is a difficult thing. So having guys who are comfortable in their spots, experience in those spots, 
talented, yes, are very, very important. Uh, I know that um, Brown and Leggett are available to play. My hope is we can get them rest as soon as we can. Uh, my hope is that we won't have to play them a tremendous amount. It was obvious during the Texas A&M game that yeah. Xavier Leggett was not himself. He was limping noticeably late in the, later in the game, did not have his explosiveness, and it was just not, not great. Need to get Nick Harbour, Omega Blake, and other guys involved as early as we can because, honestly, they're the future, and we need to rest those guys who are a little banged up. Now, don't you think? Don't you think that? Uh, it, it, here's the thing on Leggett. Obviously, you do not want to put him in any situation that could possibly injure himself any further. Sure. But absolutely, just by virtue of the fact that he's on the field, defenses have to respect him at least some. So I almost feel like maybe he was just a decoy in A and M, and we weren't going to go to him right. at all anyway. I think you're right about that, but I think that works for a short period of time. Sure. Once you realize he's not actually a threat, he's not himself. You see him limping back to the sideline, then then it, it doesn't work anymore. You know what I mean? But yeah, to an extent, sure, absolutely. Um, need, again, I will say it, unless, as you pointed out, if we can hold him out because we don't need him this game, we need to see Lenora Sellers if we're not in a position to win this game. As Shane Beamer, and this sounds simple enough, said in his press conference yesterday, you can't go 4-0 in November if you don't start 1-0. you got to win this football game. And if you're He's in a situation, right. and if you're in a situation where it seems like you might not, you you might have to burn a red shirt. Um, Thomas, this is a football team that was ahead against UGA in Athens, should have beat Florida, and showed a lot of fight last week. Shane Beamer pointed out that when he was in Virginia Tech, uh, he said it was either 2014 or 2015. Excuse me, they had to win their last two games to get bowl eligible. And their last game was against Virginia, their main rival. We're in a situation where we got to win the next four to get bowl eligible. He's got some experience in that, not as a head coach, but as a coach on a staff that did it. You, you know, you got to Shane Beamer's teams traditionally have played better at home. You got four home games in a row. It doesn't get much better than that. You're going to have your normal routine. You're going to have all those things. Vanderbilt has not looked stupendous, but they haven't looked like a, a doormat. Kentucky's reeling. They're not in a great shape. They're not the team that they were at the beginning of the year. And Clemson is certainly reeling with losses. And now they play Notre Dame. You know, they what happens if they win and uh, lose another one? And they they got five losses. Thomas, not to step on the future here more than I meant to, but what do you think about a game, South Carolina at Clemson, and it literally is loser doesn't go to a bowl game. Oh man, because that could happen. Yeah, it could very easily happen. Both teams could walk into that game four and six, and it, or sorry, five and six. And if you don't win that game, you're not going to avoid that. That as much as you don't want that to be what your rivalry is, like you know, oh you'd God. rather it be that you're eleven and zero and eleven and zero, and you're fighting for a chance at the playoffs. But that's not the reality this season. So no. a win against your your rival in a situation where both teams are, are are not playing the way they want, and you don't only beat them, you send them home and keep them home during bowl season. <clears throat> now, a lot of good things got to happen for South Carolina before that even comes up. But that would be that would bring some intensity to that game because there's been, and I've, I've enjoyed the jokes, there's been a lot of jokes on social media about, you know, when South Carolina and Clemson play this year, we're all going to sit in the stands and cry together. You know, this game is <laughs> going to be on Comedy Central, seeing all the jokes. So, you know, 
that would bring some stakes to it. That would bring some stakes to it. Finally, I said it earlier, please be creative. Please be creative. Give a wrinkle. Make somebody have to see, look at something. Thomas, I've, I've beat that horse completely to death twice now. Tell us a little bit about what you're looking at this week. Let's not forget, and let's make sure that our, our listeners know, uh, the head coach of the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. This is uh, Cox versus Cox here. Right. The one and only Rich Rodriguez who finally got his Gamecock coaching job. Uh, A lot of people may remember Rich Rod uh, back in the, uh, I guess it was when we hired Beamer, right? I think it was during the Beamer search, yes. Yeah, so uh, allegedly uh, Rich Rod said he interviewed for that job and and he turned it down or something to that effect. And it's just, Rich Rod has always been a prick. Make no bones about it. I don't like the guy. I think he's a Mm -hmm. prick. Uh, He's been that way throughout his entire tenure. That Mm -hmm. said... He is a good offensive mind. Let's yep. let's make no mistake about that. Um, he likes to run a lot of tempo. He likes to have option game. They've got a good, solid, dual-threat quarterback in Zion Webb. He is only – I mean, I would say he's probably more of a runner than he is a passer. He's hitting like 50% completion. Mm-hmm. He's only got three touchdown passes to three interceptions, 460 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. Right. But, again, they 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 like to run tempo. You're going to see a lot of option read game. This guy can hurt you with his – legs uh they've got a lot more speed rather than size um on the perimeter there and their wide receivers but here's the the key to this game we talked about it earlier in the AM game those odd fronts and having more linebackers on the field i think that is going to be a big key to this game plan when you've got an offense like this that likes to run a lot of option likes to run a lot of tempo likes to spread you out the more li- the, the way I look at it is the more linebackers on the field, the better, especially when you don't have that dominant defensive front that can just mm-hmm. push that offensive line back. Um, again, this is not a power five football team. There should be a talent disparity in this game. South Carolina should have the bigger players, the more talented players, and South Carolina should be able to handle this game. Jacksonville State, uh, a little weak on the back end of their defense, too, if we're looking at South South Carolina's offense against them, and I think they're very vulnerable to uh, a consistent, sustained uh, ball control offense, which, as we have seen, this offense can be that uh, if if it is clicking the way it should. Um, also, and I'm uh, again, I'm kind of jumping back and forth on different sides of the ball here, but you talked about it earlier is get the run game going. I think South Carolina needs to be a little hard-headed and a little stubborn in the run game is just keep pounding away because this is this is a team that you can wear them down and you can crock pot them to death and South Carolina should be able to handle this but again it's it's a, it's a lot of pressure when your backs against the wall and I'm curious to see how this team is going to respond when it's it's let's call it what it is it's nut up or shut up time at this point it really is and again I'll use that same analogy I used earlier and you just touched on it it's a wounded animal you're a wounded animal you're two and six you're beat up your guys are hurt. What are you going to do? Your back's against the wall. What are you going to do? You're going to fight your way out of the corner or are you going to wave the white flag? And and then that's what we got to find out right now. And I'll say this about Rich Rod, and, and you you hit the nail on the head with him. He's what we like to call one of my old coaches used to use this phrase all the time. He's a me guy. He's not a we guy. He's yeah. all about he's all about some Rich Rod now. He's oh, yeah. all about some Rich Rod. And, you know, listen, I don't know what happened in that scenario. 
you know, Ray Tanner is never going to admit if he actually offered the job to to Rich Rod and he turned him down. And Rich Rod's never going to say that he didn't get offered the job. It's just, you know, no one but those two men are going to ever probably know the truth of what happened during that time. I, I'd like to believe we didn't offer him because his he was a, you know, he he had kind of worn out his welcome in a lot of places by that point. But um, you know, I am looking forward to the game now, Thomas. I will not be at the game, and I will also not uh, yeah. be watching from the United States. My dad and I will be going to watch the USC women play the Notre Dame women in Paris, France. I think actually as cool. the game as the game's being played, we're going to be in London because we were supposed to go see Tottenham, my favorite soccer or European football team, but their match got moved and it messed up my all that. But we will, dad and I are the fans that we are. Obviously, we're huge Gamecocks. We're going to France to watch the team play, so we will find a way to keep up with the game. So, you know, at when you were at your wedding the other weekend and I kind of had to keep you up to date on things, now it's your <laughs> turn. When I get back in the States, you're going to have to tell me what happened because I doubt I'm going to see a whole lot of the game. Um, but speaking of college football, let's take a look around college football. Thomas, I like the two games you identified here because they are definitely the two biggest games. Start off with our 330 matchup that we've already mentioned once in the show. Yeah, and I'll be honest, it was a little tough looking at the slate of games because you know, normally I like to have a nooner on there in the afternoon and then a night game, but it was a whole lot of seeds and stems on the noon slate. But, man, this 330 game could get real wacky, really excited about it. Number 12, one loss, Missouri Tigers at number two. That sounds weird. Number two, undefeated Georgia. Georgia is favored by 15 and a half. Again, that is in Athens, a 330 game. Uh, I feel like Sanford Stadium, as much as I hate it, is a very hostile place to play, and they uh, they can definitely affect opposing teams as loud and as raucous as that place could be. And look, Georgia is without Brock Bowers. This is not their first week without him. Like, they pretty much just kept on clicking without him. Uh, they're just next man up at this point. So mm -hmm. I do mm -hmm. think – that Georgia is going to win this game. I do think that Missouri can keep it interesting for a half, maybe three quarters. Mm -hmm. But I, I think Georgia is, again, they're going to turn into a, a ball of chainsaws at this point mm -hmm. and just murders row the rest of the way. Yeah. I mean, again, like you said, there's blood in the water now for, for, for Kirby Smart and his staff and that fan base, quite honestly. You get to play the they disrespected us card. They gave the number one, you know, seed number one ranking to another team. No one's beat us. We're still the champions. And, you know, that all that stuff that you love to be able to do as a football coach. Because the great thing about doing the us against the world speech is when you're super talented, when you can do that and say, nobody believes in you and, and they are disrespecting you and really you're one of the best teams in the whole darn country. So, that you know, it's yeah. fun to be able to play that card, you know, Last year when South Carolina was playing Tennessee and Shane Beamer went in there and told him, hey, guys, nobody thinks you can win this game. He wasn't kid. Like, he wasn't creating, you know, adversity where there was none. He was right. Now, Gamecocks won the game. Georgia, I think you're right. Missouri's a good football team. As much as I don't like it, they are. As much as I don't like their head coach, he's he's proven to, to, to be doing a good job, you know, running that offense. Thomas, I, I haven't prepared you for this at all, so if you don't know this answer, I don't know this answer. Maybe you do. Is he calling his own plays in Missouri? Is does Drew Ooh, you talking about uh, drink a piss? Yeah, does he does he call his own plays? Not anymore. He was. Ah. I, I don't I don't remember who it is, but after last season. 
season, he hired an OC and has Got allegedly it. kind of turned over the reins Got to him. It. So he pulled a he pulled a Jimbo and brought in brought yeah. in somebody. Got it. But okay. apparently it's working better for him than yeah. it is for Jimbo. Oh, that's true. That's true. All right, Thomas. 745. Big matchup here in the SEC West. Sadly, we won't be able to use that phrase. Is it next season when the divisions go away? But big matchup yeah. in the SEC West. Who are we looking at? Yeah, number 14, LSU at number eight, Alabama. Alabama is favored by three in this game. And here's what's interesting about this is um, I think the over-under in this game is like 60 or something. This could be mm -hmm. a, a bit of a boat race, which, mm -hmm. which I always love to see. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, this is going to be probably, arguably, the best defense that LSU's faced this season. But looking at the rest of Alabama's schedule, so Alabama's got one loss on the season, that early loss to Texas. <clears throat> this, uh, you know, after LSU, they go to Kentucky, Chattanooga at home, and then they go to Auburn, and then whatever bowl game they're playing in. This is really Alabama's last chance for a loss, in my opinion, this season. So, Mm -hmm. This this could this game could decide. Are we looking at a two loss Alabama? God knows how long it's been since we've seen that. I totally agree. And you know, Nick Saban said either last week or this week that he has really enjoyed coaching this football team because he he likes how their demeanor. He likes how hard they work. And goodness gracious knows if Nick Saban likes coaching you, you're a bunch of hard workers because he doesn't yeah. believe in guys that don't work hard, and he's he's complained in the past, even when he had really good teams that won national championships, that they didn't work super hard. I think Alabama does win this game. LSU, if you remember, at the beginning of the year, played Florida State and kind of got embarrassed. I, I think they've kind of fed on some weaker uh, competition, and I think Alabama's going to going to um, open their eyes and college football's eyes to say, hey, we're, we're still Alabama. I think they cover this spread easily, easily, and win this game bigger than the experts think. Well, Thomas, I'm not going to hold you up anymore, folks. If You can't see Thomas, but he is literally wearing a hoodie and another jacket because he is outside <laughs> because he is so cold. Thomas, if fans want to follow us at on social media, we're at SAA Football Fan on Instagram and Twitter. You can send us an email at SAA Football Fan at gmail.com. We are loving this season, even though it is tough to watch these Gamecocks not win games. We always find joy in football. Thomas, as we're heading out the door, tell the people whatever you want to tell them. Andrew, I, I, I wish you safe travels, and I wish that you would bring me back all of the Bordeaux and French reds that you can so we can enjoy them on the show together. Safe travels. Enjoy your time. Let's enjoy your Gamecock victory when you make it back stateside. See ya. See ya. <laughs>